Decaying Review Print Speaking to the Blind, celebrating 40 years of audio newspaper production. Welcome to this week's edition of the Glasgow Times podcast, recorded at the Bishop Briggs Media Centre by our amazing volunteers. You can get in touch with us via Facebook, Twitter or Instagram using at QNReview, that is at symbol C-U-E-A-N-D-R-E-V-I-E-W. You can also contact us directly by emailing information at cunereview.com. That is I-N-F-O-R-M-A-T-I-O-N at symbol C-U-E-A-N-D-R-E-V-I-E-W dot C-O-M. Or by calling 0141 772 3976. That's 0141 772 3976. The Glasgow Times, on Thursday the 7th of September 2023. From the news section. CCTV showed Rangers fan repeatedly throwing items at police. An article written by Connor Gordon and read by me, Corey. A Rangers supporter repeatedly threw items at police during a fan title party. Ewan McAlpine, 23, chucked the missiles at Glasgow City Centre's George Square on May 15, 2021. Thousands of jubilant Gerrard's fans gathered to celebrate the club's winning the Scottish Premiership. Glasgow Sheriff Court heard that McAlpine was snared following a police operation. Prosecutor Jessica McGowan said, Pictures of McAlpine were submitted to police and CCTV inquiries identified him. He threw unknown items repeatedly at police. CCTV was shown to the court where McAlpine, in a Blue Rangers top, was seen to throw unseen items on a number of occasions before going out of view. He was invited to attend a police station on July 12, 2021, which he did. McAlpine of Dumbarton, West Dumbartonshire, pleaded guilty to culpable and reckless conduct. Miss McGowan requested a football banning order to be imposed upon McAlpine. She said, The Crown say that you should be satisfied this was a football-related offence. Although not at a game, it is clearly related. Sentence and consideration of a football ban was deferred until next month, pending background reports. McAlpine was granted bail in the meantime. That article was from the Glasgow Times, it was written by Connor Gordon, and it was read by me, Corey. The Glasgow Times, on Thursday the 21st of September 2023. From the news section. Cost for drug consumption rooms in Glasgow revealed. An article written by Stuart Patterson and read by me, Corey. Plans for the safer drug consumption room in Glasgow has been revealed. The facility will be located at an existing health facility in the East End. Glasgow's Health and Social Care Partnership has published the proposals. The SDCF will be situated in Hunter Street Health and Social Care Centre. Suzanne Miller, Chief Officer of the HSCP, said... The site offers a discrete base closely located to the city centre, 
and implementation of the Enhanced Drug Treatment Service within the centre has not caused significant challenges for the community. There is no timescale for when it will open, but the Scottish Government has committed funding from April 2024. It is understood the Council is keen to have the facility open as soon as it can be ready. The Scottish Government has told the HSCP it is, quote, prepared to make up to £2,347,000 available per annum to Glasgow HSCP for the development, set up and running of the Safer Drug Consumption Facility pilot project in Glasgow from April 2024 2025. It said funding will be made available in the first instance under March 2027 for the initial stages of the pilot. The facility will include a new reception area, injecting area with booths, post-injection area, treatment rooms and recovery slash aftercare area. It will be open and staffed from 9am to 9pm every day of the year. Miss Miller added, There is overwhelming international evidence which demonstrates that safer drug consumption facilities can improve the health, well-being and recovery of people who use the facility and reduce the negative impact that public injecting has on local communities and businesses. The facility where drug users can inject in a safer environment with staff on hand in case of emergency will be located with other services. They will include Enhanced Drug Treatment Service, Alcohol and Drug Recovery Services, Enhanced Harm Reduction Services, Bloodborne Virus, Sexual Health Services and Visiting Recovery and Social Wellbeing Services. Miss Miller added, An SDCF, therefore, is one of a range of services available on site aimed at reducing significant harms associated with injecting drug use. That article was from the Glasgow Times, it was from the news section, and it was written by Stuart Patterson. The Glasgow Times, on Thursday the 21st of September 2023. From the news section. Heartbroken family raise money for more defibrillators. An article written by Taylor Murray and read by me, Corey. The family of a man who died after a cardiac arrest have donated to a vitally important fund to buy defibrillators. A donation of £9,000 has been made to the Provost Community Defibrillator Fund by the family of Alex Leckie, who sadly passed away aged just 52 during a round of golf. The fund will allow donations for public access defibrillators, PADS, projects to be collected and to raise awareness of life-saving skills, including CPR and how to use a defibrillator. Alex's wife, Angela, is determined to do all she can to raise awareness of cardiac arrest and ensure a legacy from her husband's death by supporting the rollout of more life-saving defibrillators across the area. Angela, who lives in Busby, East Renfrewshire, said, Alex had a stint fitted four months before he passed away, following a previous cardiac arrest. But following that procedure, he had been in good health, and we've been told there should be no further concerns. The day Alex passed away started as an ordinary day. 
he'd been out working in the garden and then headed off to golf with my son and son-in-law. He was feeling fine and really looked forward to getting to golf. I then got a call from my son-in-law and I knew immediately that something terrible had happened. I rushed to the golf course to find he'd collapsed whilst out on the course. One of the club staff was performing CPR on him and I took over and we tried tirelessly for more than 30 minutes and the club's defibrillator had also been used as we tried to bring him back. The paramedics arrived and continued to work on him for a long time before telling us that he'd passed away and there was nothing more we could do. The family held their memorial ball in 2022 and were left completely gobsmacked with the £9,000 raised. Work is now ongoing to organise another fundraising event next year and the family plan to donate all money raised to the East Renfrewshire Provost Community Defibrillator Fund. Provost Mary Montag has taken on the role of the council's defibrillator community champion as she looks to work closely with communities, businesses and local stakeholders to promote the initiative. The province said, with personal experience of losing a family member following a cardiac arrest, this is a cause very close to my heart. For every minute it takes for a defibrillator to reach someone and deliver a shock, their chances of survival reduce by up to 10%. As well as the Provost Community Defibrillator Fund being launched, an additional two pads are already set to be installed at Maidenhill Primary and Kirkhill Primary. This will bring the number of defibrillators at council-owned buildings to 28, and increase the number of machines across East Renfrewshire on the British Heart Foundation database to 82. For more information about the Provost's Community Defibrillator Fund, Contact communications at eastrenfrewshire.gov.uk That article was from the Glasgow Times. It was written by Taylor Murray and it was read by me, Corey. The Glasgow Times on Thursday the 7th of September 2023 From the news section Still Game Stars invite Glasgow fire crew to show after rescue mission. An article written by Ben Waddle and read by me, Corey. A group of firefighters have been invited to a show by two Still Game Stars following a rescue mission. It comes after emergency crews raced to the city's Kings Park on Monday, September 4th to rescue two small dogs who had become trapped after entering a large hole. On arrival, the fire crew from Castle Milk's Red Watch instantly recognised the Pooch's owner as Jane McCarry and Mark Cox, Isa and Tam from the sitcom. After successfully rescuing the star's animals, the crew were invited by the pair to the still-game-inspired People Have to Know show at the King's Theatre this weekend. Watch commander Ricky Borland who was in charge of the mission, said, The hole the dogs had become trapped down was very deep and was located behind a large, felled tree. The fear was that the hole would collapse and trap the dogs inside. We had to be very careful with how we worked, but were thankfully able to free the dogs safely. Jane and Mark were delighted and were very thankful. We're all big fans of the show, so recognised them right away. 
It was a successful rescue and a really positive outcome all round. The invite to the show was just the icing on the cake. That article was from the Glasgow Times. It was written by Ben Waddle and it was read by me, Corey. Evening Times, September 21. Lifestyle. Hollywood composer talks Glasgow talent. Report by Marissa McWhorter. An award-winning Hollywood composer from Glasgow is on a mission to promote local musical talent on the international stage. Paul Leonard Morgan graduated from the Royal Conservatoire in 1995 and was thrust into the heart of Glasgow's 90s music scene. He told the Glasgow Times, There was a real buzz about the music scene. There always is at different times in different cities. But there was something about Glasgow in the late 90s. Texas, Mogwai, Arab Strap, Snow Patrol, Bell and Sebastian. Simple Minds. Paul, who was renting a small room in the back of the iconic Kava Sound Studios, then on Bentick Street, to make TV themes, started doing string arrangements for the bands. He said, We did not really know what we were doing. We were just starting out. But it was such a buzzy time in the Glasgow music scene, and that was the only studio, so everyone was in there. I'd always liked the idea of doing film music, and the film guys liked the fact that I was working with the bands, and vice versa. Paul went on to win a Scottish BAFTA for his first film score on Reflections Upon the Origin of the Pineapple. That was in 2000. In 2011, he made his Hollywood debut with the groundbreaking score for Limitless, starring Bradley Cooper and Robert De Niro. I remember sitting in the studio in Glasgow and Robert De Niro, Bradley Cooper and Abby Cornish were looking down the screen at me. It must have been Christmas 2010 and I couldn't believe it. Just me in Glasgow. It was so cool. After the score went to number one, Paul's career changed and he eventually moved with his family to Los Angeles. He went on to do a number of outstanding projects, such as partnering with legendary composer Philip Glass on the score for Tales from the Loop and composing the music for the video game Cyberpunk 2077. But travelling back to Glasgow when he can, Paul is determined to make his dream career more accessible to other musicians in and around the city. And he said, I am fiercely loyal to Glasgow and I am always trying to get work to come back here. There is a really thriving film and TV scene and I always get asked about Scottish composers. If we are filming here and doing post-production here, why are we not doing the music here? Paul launched a mentorship programme 
for the next generation of composers, selecting up-and-comer Scott Twineholm to compose the score for the BBC documentary Murder Trial with him. He also makes sure to visit students at the Conservatoire when in Glasgow to offer advice and guidance on breaking into the film industry. And he said, I want people in Glasgow to know that you can do this as a career. It's never felt like a job, but you can put a roof over your head by following your passion without moving out of the city. There's so much talent here. And if you want to be a composer for video games, animation, TV, or films, you can do it from here. Report by Marissa McWhorter. From the Glasgow Times, Friday the 22nd of September, from the news section, Glasgow Industrial Estate, one of two hit an £850,000 drug bust. Report by Tom Grant. Cannabis worth an estimated street value of up to £250,000 was allegedly seized during a drug bust on a Glasgow industrial estate. Police Scotland officers descended on the new Albion industrial estate in Yoker just after 7am on Thursday, September the 21st, after executing a warrant at the site. A 33-year-old man was arrested and charged at the scene in connection with drugs offences and was due to appear at Glasgow Sheriff Court on Friday, September 22nd. The drug haul in Glasgow, estimated to be between £80,000 and £250,000, was the first on a day of drug raids across the Central Belt. Later that morning, a second recovery took place in Livingston, where large cannabis plants with an estimated street value of between £500,000 and £600,000 were reportedly seized. Detective Inspector Alan Ferguson said, These incidents are not linked. They are significant recoveries and they underline our commitment to the Serious Organised Crime Task Force and the country's Serious Organised Crime Strategy. We will continue to use every tool and tactic at our disposal to prevent the sale and distribution of illegal drugs in our local communities. If you have any information or concerns about drug misuse, please do not hesitate to contact Police Scotland on 101 or report this anonymously via Crime Stoppers on 0800 555 111. That's Crime Stoppers on 0800 And that report was by Tom Grant. From the Glasgow Times, Friday the 22nd of September, from the news section, Manhunt launched after women robbed at knife point in East Kilbride. Report by Ben Waddle. A manhunt has been launched after a woman was held at knife point and robbed in East Kilbride. The incident took place on a path between Stroud Road and Cedar Drive in the town at around 9.30pm on Thursday, September 21st. It is understood the 45-year-old woman was walking when she was approached by a man who then robbed her of her mobile phone and jacket while at knife point. Now, cops have launched an appeal to track down the culprit. He is described as being around 5 foot 9 inch in height, stocky build, around 45 years old and was wearing all dark clothing with a dark face covering. Detective Constable Robert McKinstry from Camus Lang CID said 
Thankfully, the woman wasn't seriously injured, but left understandably shaken by this incident. Our inquiries into the incident are ongoing, and there will be increased patrols in the area over the coming days. We are appealing for anyone who witnessed the incident or who was in the area around the time, and may have dashcam footage which could assist us, to get in touch. Anyone with information is asked to contact COPS on 101, quoting incident number 3954 of September 21st. And that report is by Ben Waddle. From the Glasgow Times, Friday the 22nd of September, from the news section, Trio accused of running over man in Paisley murder bid. Report by Connor Gordon. Three suspects are accused of running over a man in a murder bid. Stephen Maguire, 30, Daniel Millen, 25, and Stuart Lindsay, 30, allegedly assaulted Robert Graham in Paisley on April 21st, 2022. Court papers state the trio acted with a John Wallace, now deceased. The charge claims they enticed Mr Graham to cross Springbank Road and drove a car at speed towards him. It is alleged that this caused the motor vehicle to strike him on the body. The charge is said to be to Mr Graham's severe injury, permanent disfigurement, permanent impairment, danger of life and attempted murder. A separate allegation says he cleaned the door cells and handles of the car at Airlink Industrial Estate in Paisley. It is claimed they thereafter willfully set fire to the car which caused extensive damage to it. This is said to have been done with the intent to defeat the ends of justice. The trio are further accused of stealing the car, which was allegedly used in the murder bid from a street in Glasgow's Hillhead on April 19th, 2022. Millen, of Pollock, faces his own charge of supplying diazepam to Mr Graham and Paisley on April 21st, 2022. Lindsay, meantime, is said to have supplied cannabis at a street in Hamilton, South Lanarkshire, on May 11th, 2022. The trio appeared in the dock today at the High Court in Glasgow, where they pleaded not guilty. A trial was fixed for June next year by Judge Norman McFadgen, and that report was by Connor Gordon. From the Glasgow Times, Friday the 22nd of September, from the news section, Uddingston man convicted of brutal assault on his dad at Parkhead. Report by Connor Gordon. A man was convicted of a brutal assault on his father. Kai Graham, 35, turned on Peter Dixon at his home in Parkhead on November 25th, 2019. Graham repeatedly punched his dad then kicked him on the head. Mr Dixon was found to have suffered a fractured skull and eye socket. Graham was convicted of assaulting Mr Dixon by uttering threats of violence towards him and strike him to the, on the head to his severe injury, permanent disfigurement and danger of life. Graham, of Uddingston, was initially charged with assaulting his dad with a hammer, but that allegation was removed by the jury. Today, Glasgow Sheriff Court heard from Graham, who stated in his evidence that he was wor- working as a handyman at the time. He stated that he went to his father's home in order to get him work as a painter. Graham said... I wanted him to be proud of me. He hadn't been in my life. Graham stated Mr Dixon let him into his home but stated that his dad appeared pee 
explosive deleted off with him, as if he did not want him there. He claimed that he was extremely gutted and disappointed in himself. Graham claimed that Mr. Dixon shouted at him and told him to leave his house. Graham stated he wanted his dad to explain himself, but matters escalated. He claimed Mr. Dixon reached for something at the side of his couch, which he thought was a roller. Graham claimed that he grabbed his hand meantime, which lasted for three seconds. Paul Mullen, defending, asked what happened after that. He replied, I went from the living room to the start of the hallway, and I said, you need to explain. We will sit down with a coffee. He said he didn't want to. Graham stated he went to click the kettle when he heard a door shut and he went to investigate. Graham claimed Mr. Dixon was outside and threw something at him. He stated that he approached Mr. Dixon who clipped him on the side of the face. Graham said that he pushed his dad back, believing Mr. Dixon was going to kick my A asterisk asterisk E. Graham stated, he came towards me again and I just started punching him. He stumbled back when I punched him and lost his footing off the curb. Graham claimed Mr. Dixon then grabbed him. He said, I jumped back and kicked him in the face on the left side. Graham stated that he then drove away from the scene. The court heard that Mr. Dixon was later treated for a forehead wound which required five stitches. He also sustained an eye and skull fracture as well as abrasions. It was also revealed Graham has a previous conviction from Air Sheriff Court for an assault to severe injury and impairment disfigurement with a sharp object. Sentence was deferred pending background reports by Sheriff David Taylor, who granted Graham bail, bail meantime. He said, You have been convicted of a serious offence. Beyond no illusions, the fact that you are being granted bail is in no way an identification that you won't be subjected to custody when this matter comes back before me. And that report was by Connor Gordon. Evening Times, September 22. Lifestyle. Glasgow trial led to astounding drop in energy bills. Report by Caroline Wilson. A block of drafty tenements in Glasgow's south side are now among Scotland's warmest and most energy efficient homes following a first of its kind project. Eight run-down one-bedroom properties were acquired from private landlords through compulsory purchase laws and stripped back to their bare bones to allow construction workers to put in place 21st century energy efficiency solutions. The Mammoth Retrofitting Project on Ridley Road in Glasgow's south side has involved air sealing the entire building with the internal and external walls, floor and loft areas insulated and windows triple glazed. A mechanical ventilation system delivering a continual supply of fresh air, aims to reduce the need for tenants to open windows. Air source heat pumps have also been installed in four of the pre-1919 flats with a control group using gas boilers. 
Tenants moved in just over a year ago and have seen an astounding drop in energy bill costs, according to Southside Housing Association, which acquired the flats. Lisa Gillen, housing officer at Southside Housing Association, said, Given that we were in the midst of an energy crisis, the difference that we have seen in their energy bills, especially coming into that winter period, has been astounding. In the middle of winter, I have had a tenant say their usage was sitting at around £40 a month and they were using their heating very frequently. So I think that itself shows how successful the project has been. Those involved in the NRPH model project say it was complex and costly at between £35,000 to £40,000 per flat, but that it is cheaper overall and better for the environment than demolition and rebuild. Chris Morgan, director of John Gilbert Architects said, we have done a lot of low energy retrofitting of buildings, but this was the first time it has been done with a stone tenement in Glasgow. I think from the contractor's point of view, they found it difficult, but not impossible. From the street side, you don't really see much change, but we have made flats here which are more energy efficient than any other flats in Scotland. Technically speaking, as an architect, I think we've moved things along a lot, but I think from the client's point of view, you would say it is costly. So the issue going forward has got to be how we can make sure this sort of thing is affordable. One tenant who moved from shared accommodation in Springburn said, it's a lovely warm flat and the electric is less. The project was discussed at a conference held earlier this week in Glasgow, organised by the UK Collaborative Centre for housing evidence and looking at retrofitting solutions for older buildings. Professor Ken Gibb, Centre Director, said, This fabric-first mode of reducing energy demand has not just had a phenomenal effect on thermal comfort that residents have, but it has significantly reduced their energy costs at a time of financial crisis and we think this is a really important lesson for fuel poverty. We recognise that it has been expensive for the Housing Association and a lot of public money, but we must look at the other side of the ledger and the benefits. We found that compared with demolishing and building, the net benefit was much stronger. The only way you get these deep savings to residents and the only way you get close to net zero is with the Enerfit retrofit model. And it goes without saying that if you pursue a retrofit, you are also protecting the heritage of our tenement stock. Housing is responsible for around 20% of carbon emissions. There are more than 75,000 pre-1919 sandstone tenements in Glasgow 
and they make up around a fifth of the city's housing stock. Professor Gibbs said he did not think it was reasonable to expect that the Nidri Road project would be replicated in tenements across the city, but rather that lessons would be learned and said that Scottish government grants were available for tenement owners. And he continued, This is a demonstration project. It was an experiment to see if it could be done, so it has a lot of public money attached to it, but we found out that it could be done. At some point the tenements need to have repair and refurbishment work done. We will inevitably have a series of carrots and sticks to try to encourage people to find efficient ways to do what they can, and a lot of that is about clever finance and stretching subsidy. Retrofitting works have been carried out at a multi-storey block in the north of Glasgow, owned by Queen's Cross Housing Association. Report by Caroline Wilson Glasgow Times News on Monday the 25th of September Damp and mould complaints in Glasgow on the rise An article written by Stuart Patterson More than 1,000 complaints about damp and mould were reported to the council last year. A new report about dampness and mould and its impact on the housing stock shows complaints to Glasgow City Council have increased by more than 200 in the last two years. While the council doesn't own any homes, it is the local housing authority for Glasgow and tenants can report substandard properties to its environmental health department. It's been revealed that in the last full year, 2022, there were more than 1,000 reports of damp through either condensation or water ingress. It's an increase of 202 complaints from 2020, when there were 865 reports made, an increase of almost 25%. The reports are split into dampness from condensation and water penetration. For water penetration, which can cause damp and mould, there's been a rise of more than 150 complaints over two years. In 2020, the council received 724 complaints. The following year, it went up to 762, and in 2022, it was higher again, up to 886. The rise over the two years is 22%. In 2020, there were 141 complaints made to the Council Environmental Health Department about condensation dampness. The following year, this increased to 176, and last year it increased slightly again to 181. Between 2020 and 2022, the increase in complaints has been 28%. The Council said these are only the cases reported to it, and the full picture is likely to be even higher. While the council does not own any homes, it is the housing authority for Glasgow and can take action to force repairs to be carried out. If the issues aren't repaired, it can lead to the homes being deemed below tolerable standard, meaning it's unfit to live in. A council report by George Gillespie, executive director of Neighbourhoods, stated... A house will normally be considered below tolerable standard if an assessor, normally with the use of a protimeter moisture meter, finds persistent visible penetrating damp, which covers an area greater than approximately 10% of the overall wall space in one apartment of the house, 
10% of the ceiling in one apartment on the house, or 20% of the overall wall space or ceiling in one or more spaces in the house. Mr Gillespie said in the reports to councillors, there have been a number of high-profile cases of dampness and condensation in housing over recent times, with one particular dreadful case in England leading to the coroner in England to link the condition of a property to the death of a child in 2020. Dampness and condensation are known to adversely affect the health of vulnerable people, such as babies and immunocompromised individuals. Inhaling or touching mould spores may cause an allergic reaction, such as sneezing, a runny nose, red eyes and skin rash, and moulds can also cause asthma attacks and other pulmonary conditions. An article written by Stuart Patterson. Glasgow Times News on Monday, the 25th of September. Libraries to become welcome places. An article written by Sarah Hilly. Glasgow libraries are set to join the City Council's Welcome Places initiative established last year in the midst of the cost of living crisis. The Welcome Places project is a partnership between the local authority, Glasgow Life, Glasgow Council for the Voluntary Sector and Third Sector Organisations, which launched last October. It seeks a stigma-free solution to the increase in fuel costs after the average household energy bill rose by 54%, with inflation hitting a 40-year high. From October 1st, all 32 community libraries, including the Mitchell Library, will join the Welcome Places initiative and will be part of the project designed to help Glaswegians find a warm space to go as winter and the cost-of-living crisis continues to impact people of all ages. The venues are open to everyone, with activities on offer as well as free refreshments. Glasgow City Council has managed to secure £34,000 to fund the service, which will help meet the costs of hot drinks across the network, but community centres, which are part of the scheme, will not benefit from this funding. During the Wellbeing and Equalities Committee on Thursday, concerns were raised that community centres and third sector organisations would no longer be able to participate as a result. Councillor Holly Bruce asked for conversations to take place that would allow third sector organisations to become a welcome place. Officers agreed that they would encourage further discussion with third sector partners regarding this. An article written by Sarah Hilly. Glasgow Times News on Monday the 25th of September Pensioner battles a nightmare 636% increase in energy bills An exclusive front page article written by Kirsty Fierick A stressed pensioner has been hounded for money after energy companies claimed her usage went up by 636% Cathy Cameron has been left in tears and unable to sleep, as OVO and SSE Energy have bombarded her with letters demanding cash for seven months. The 71-year-old from Bailiston was told she had gone to using 18,328 kilowatt-hours, compared to last year's 2,489 kilowatt-hours, at the same property. She claims her only change in circumstances have been that she is now terrified to put the heating on or use the washing machine, so has been left confused by the extreme hike. One bill demanded £623.08 for just one month, 
between November the 15th to December the 12th, compared to her previous bills of around £144. When Cathy called to complain about the billing in tears and told the agent she was deeply distressed, she heard laughing, which Ovo said was nervous and not malicious. Cathy told the Glasgow Times, This full thing has been a complete nightmare for me. I haven't been able to sleep and I've shed tears over it. It's very stressful trying to sort it out. To be told that you're in debt and owe money out of the blue and they can't tell you why is very frustrating, especially during this cost-of-living crisis. There's no way I've used more gas and electricity this year. Nothing has changed, except now I'm actually scared to put the heating on. Last year I actually became very unwell because I came in from the rain and still left it off, so how can they say I'm using more? Cathy believes the problem started after noticing a gas leak in November last year, to which she alerted SSE. The company came out and replaced the meter for her on November the 14th, and the next month she noticed her bills had skyrocketed. Ovo Energy now supplies energy and related services to SSE Energy Services customers, so Cathy was moved over to dealing with them in December last year. Then in February she started to receive letters telling her she was in debt, but claims every time she called to complain she was told a different debt amount. Cathy said, I had a gas leak and they came out and changed the meter, and the problem started after that. I've tried so many times to tell them I think I'm being overcharged, nothing else has changed. I tried flagging it as a complaint, but I haven't got anywhere with it. I can't keep fighting because it's very bad for my health. I need help. An OVO spokesperson said, We are sincerely sorry to Ms Cameron for the inconvenience caused by her high billing. It's a result of human error. We've since corrected her account balance with updated readings and we will be offering a goodwill amount in apology. An exclusive front-page article written by Kirsty Fierick. Glasgow Times on Monday, the 25th of September. Opinion. Does Scotland have a problem with political satire? A column written by Mike Daly. Does Scotland have a problem with political satire? Satire is the art of using humour, irony or sarcasm to examine a subject with the purpose of exposing absurdity or hypocrisy. Of course, what's considered to be funny or offensive is an entirely subjective experience. For me, the most successful political satire is that which lampoons and exposes the farce or sanctimony of a political idea or behaviour, which isn't the same thing as shallow or gratuitous mockery. Shining a light on the farce of an idea or the contradictions in a politician's policies or stances is an essential part of our democratic process. One might contend political satire helps to speak truth to power. The phrase, speak truth to power, was used in the 1950s by the Quakers as an alternative political strategy to violence in challenging authoritarian regimes. Some years earlier, the lawyer and anti-colonialist Mahatma Gandhi used the principle to develop his non-violent truth force in seeking India's independence from the UK. This approach would go on to influence Dr Martin Luther King Jr. in the USA and Nelson Mandela in South Africa. The concept itself dates back to 5th century BC Greece, 
Quer Parisia was the practice of speaking freely and candidly about anything as a fundamental element of democracy. Fast forward to a couple of weeks ago. BBC Radio Scotland had launched its new satirical show, Noising Up, and posted satirical cartoons of Scottish politicians on social media. One included Limo Lorna, the Scottish Greens co-leader Lorna Slater, MSP. I should add that all Scottish political parties were lampooned. The Miss Slater caricature described herself as the Minister for Green Skills, Circular Economy, Biodiversity, Short-Haul Flights and Maple Syrup. Outrage ensued, with SNP ministers branding the cartoon as dreadful and unnecessarily nasty. The cartoons were hastily withdrawn from social media by BBC Scotland. What does this tell us? Perhaps some folk have forgotten their Robert Burns. As our national poet wisely cautioned us in To a Louse, oh, would some power the gift give us to see ourselves as others see us? Are our politicians too thin-skinned and vain to cope with a little bit of political satire? I ask that, as it doesn't seem to me that there's much in the way of political satire going on in Scotland. The odd cartoon and sketch, but that's about it. Is it fine to laugh at Westminster politicians, but less so when it comes to those at home? This does seem odd, not least as we're coming up to having had the Scottish Parliament for almost a quarter of a century, yet we can't handle a wee bit of satire. The history of political satire is fascinating. Back in ancient Greece, the father of comedy, Aristophanes, wrote 40 plays where he mercilessly caricatured the powerful, hypocritical and vainglorious. No one was beyond the reach of Aristophanes's reed pen, including warmongers and profiteers. His ability to ridicule and expose absurdity was acknowledged by his contemporaries, including philosophers Plato and Socrates. 18th century England had a proud tradition of political satire through cartoons. James Gilray has been described as the father of the modern political cartoon. Mr Gilray would expose the hypocrisy and ill deeds of the Prince Regent, later to become King George IV. His 1792 cartoon, A Voluptuary Under the Horrors of Digestion, depicted the royal as a greedy, debt-ridden, bloated narcissist, the candour and biting wit of such works would probably cause an outrage in 2023. On television, there's a solid track record of UK political satire. In the 1960s, That Was the Week That Was broke new ground in television by combining comedy with current affairs and politics. From 1969 to 1974, Monty Python's Flying Circus ridiculed various authority figures and institutions without fear or favour. In 1984, Spitting Image exploded onto our television screens and took no prisoners as it turned UK politicians into extraordinary puppets. Margaret Thatcher was presented as a tyrannical Prime Minister who called her Cabinet colleagues the Vegetables. Prime Minister John Major was depicted as a grey man who spent his life pushing peas around on a plate. The late Queen Mother was presented as a jolly, gin-swigging lady with a strong, brummy accent. Then Liberal Party leader David Steele was famously portrayed as a falsetto-voiced, tiny person who lived in the pocket of the SDP's David Owen. The show ran until its cancellation in 1995, 
Some suggested it ended when politicians became too dull for satire. It was rebooted in 2020, but arguably as a pale shadow of the original show. Without doubt, Spitting Image was a thousand times more cutting and critical of politicians than the BBC Radio Scotland cartoons. Perhaps Scottish politics just isn't mature or confident enough for political satire. A column written by Mike Daly. From the Glasgow Times, Tuesday the 26th of September, from the news section, Dangerous building near Glasgow Central taped off by cops? Report by Taylor Murray. A Glasgow city centre street has been taped off by emergency services due to an unsafe building. We earlier reported that Gordon Street was closed from Hope Street to Renfield Street as debris is falling from a building. Images from the scene show police and crime scene tape erected around the site, the street, near Glasgow Central, though the station entrance is unaffected. Police are there to assist and guide traffic elsewhere. The closure was first confirmed by Glasgow City Council at around 7.40am, but it's not known when it will reopen. A spokesperson for the council said, Officers from our building standards team are on site and will stay until any danger has been removed. Masonry had fallen onto the pavement from the building across from Central Station. We have instructed our emergency contactor to attend with a high-reach appliance and remove the immediate danger. And that report was by Taylor Murray. From the Glasgow Times, Tuesday the 26th of September, from the news section, David McCallum, star of The Man From U.N.C.L.E., dies aged 90. Article by Andrew Smart. Scottish-born actor David McCallum, who is known for starring in hit shows like NCIS and The Man From U.N.C.L.E., has died at the age of 90. The news of his passing in New York was confirmed by the Glasgow Star's family on Monday evening, with them remembering him as a loving father. The actor is best known for playing a secret agent in the 1960s spy drama The Man From U.N.C.L.E., but has gained recent popularity for his role as a pathologist on the hit CBS show NCIS. David McCallum also featured heavily on the big screen, seeing him star in films like The Great Escape, The Greatest Story Ever Told and A Night to Remember. Before entering the film and television industry, McCallum initially pursued a career in music, following the footsteps of his parents who were both classical musicians. In a statement, his family shared that the celebrity actor was a true renaissance man. His son, Peter McCallum, added, He was the kindest, coolest, most patient and loving father. He always put family before self. He was fascinated by science and culture and would turn those passions into knowledge. For example, he was capable of conducting a symphony orchestra and, if needed, could actually perform an autopsy based on his decades-long studies for his role in it on NCIS. CBS also released a statement praising the star as a gifted actor and author. The statement added, He led an incredible life and his legacy will forever live on through his family and the countless hours on film and television that will never go away. And that report was by Andrew Smart. From the Glasgow Times, Tuesday the 26th of September, from the news section, 
Glasgow Clothes Shop announces plans for second store by Rebecca Newlands. A Glasgow clothing retailer has announced plans to open a second shop. Finiston Clothing will expand with a new store in the city Shawlands, it has been revealed. The team at the independent store took to social media to reveal the news. Ahead of the new venture, they're also looking for more staff. They wrote, Southside store coming soon, but before that we've got a whole host of work to do, including adding to our friendly team. With start dates forecasted around the end of next month, we've got some great part-time sales and keyholder opportunities available at our West End and Southside locations. The Shawland store is expected to open in November. And that report was by Rebecca Newlands. From the Glasgow Times, Tuesday the 26th of September, from the news section, Hundreds used homeless night service in Glasgow last year. Report by Stuart Patterson. More than 500 people used Glasgow's service to give shelter to people at risk of rough sleeping last winter. Glasgow City Mission, which operated the Overnight Welcome Centre, is preparing to start the service again this winter. Instead of the old night shelter with mattresses on the floor, the OWC works with the council and other agencies and finds people accommodation in hotels. Last year, between December the 1st and March 31st, it dealt with 534 unique guests who found themselves in a moment of crisis and requiring support. When people come for help, they are supported to get a bed for the night, then workers look at how they can get a more settled solution. Most people are then placed into B&Bs in the city. The charity said Glasgow must deal with the number of people stuck in temporary accommodation if it is to solve the housing crisis. While the mission and other charities and agencies will be looking to take people off the streets, it is recognised that further down the line greater action is needed. The city mission said Glasgow has continued to make progress in ending rough sleeping, but we now face the next crisis. Too many people stuck in temporary accommodation. A large percentage of our guests moved into emergency B&Bs and our HSO are focusing on supporting those guests into more permanent solutions. As a partnership, we must focus on reducing the number of guests in hostel type accommodation and provide support to those guests. We must keep people off the streets but be looking for the most suitable solutions for them. Many people who come for help have complex needs, with mental health issues and addiction often requiring attention. The City Mission Overnight team administers naloxone on three occasions throughout the winter months. A report into last winter's operation stated, When dealing with an overdose, the team also called for an ambulance. We required six ambulances during the four months of the season and each of these guests were supported to receive the correct medical attention required. British and Scottish guests made up 73% of the total, while the remaining 27% of guests were internationals. A number were going through the asylum process and classed as no recourse for public funds and required access to the six emergency beds funded by the Overnight Welcome Centre. And that article was by Stuart Patterson. From the Glasgow Times, Tuesday the 26th of September, from the news section, new observatory to open at Mugdock Country Park. 
Report by Gillian McPherson. A new observatory is to open this weekend at a beauty spot north of Glasgow. The Astronomical Society of Glasgow's ESG, Eric Tomney Memorial Observatory, will be launched in an all-day public event on Saturday, September the 30th. A decade in the making, its location close to Mugduck Country Park's visitor centre offers a well-known spot not far from the city, but with reasonably dark skies. The big event will include tours of the observatory and astronomical presentations, as well as solar and nighttime observations throughout the day, weather permitting. Dr Andrew Conway, FRAS, President of the ASG, said, This is literally a childhood dream come true for many of us, building a new astronomical observatory. It's not officially open yet, but many passers-by in the park have stopped to ask us what we were doing as we worked on it, and we answered them with live images of sunspots, solar prominences and, on a few lucky occasions, solar flares. The observatory is the legacy of the Society's former Society President, Eric Tomney, who passed away in 2013 and left a bequest for the observatory's construction for the benefit of the Society's members. It not only features a 14-inch diameter reflecting telescope for imaging the cosmos in its dome, but the ASG has a collection of telescopes suitable for beginners to seasoned astronomers. Experienced members of the Society will work with Country Park staff to share their expertise through public observing sessions, exclusive Society member events, citizen science projects and public educational sessions. Dr Conway added, In the winter, we can't wait to show them the moon, planets, stars, galaxies and much more through our telescopes. We live on a pale blue dot in a vast universe and this new observatory will let more people experience its wonder with their own eyes. And that report was by Gillian McPherson. From the Glasgow Times, Tuesday the 26th of September, from the news section... Police will continue crackdown at Silverburn in Glasgow. This article is an exclusive by Amanda Keenan. Mounted police will continue patrols outside a Glasgow shopping centre after a spike in louts abusing restaurant staff and engaging in other antisocial behaviour. Officers based in Pollock have deployed on horseback outside Silverburn shopping centre after a recent increase in problems that locals say left them feeling unsafe. Greater Glasgow Police Division today told the Glasgow Times that proactive deployments will remain in place over the coming weeks after a successful trial period designed to provide community reassurance while the force grapples with the ongoing issues. Chief Inspector Derek Johnson, local area commander for Glasgow South West, says his officers are determined to beat the louts. He added, we are acutely aware of the disruptive effect of antisocial behaviour and disorder on businesses and visitors to Spring Silverburn. Local officers are working closely with partners to address these issues and find meaningful solutions to direct our young people away from these mindless activities. Dedicated patrols are carried out in the area, making use of local and specialist resources, as well as engaging with young people and discouraging antisocial behaviour. C.I. Johnson, however, was quick to point out it is the minority rather than the majority who are causing concern. He said, It is worth stressing that most young people do not come to the attention of police, but we know that a small section become involved in antisocial behaviour 
and their actions can have a negative impact on the lives of local residents and businesses. We are committed to encouraging people away from this, but will take appropriate action where incidents are reported and offenders identified. The top cop also called on parents to play their part in helping to bring the problem under control, adding, I would also urge mums, dads and guardians to make sure that they know where their children are, who they are associating with and what they are doing. Anyone who has concerns about antisocial behaviour is encouraged to contact police by calling 101 as promptly as possible. The move comes just weeks after a 13-year-old boy was arrested at the centre after allegedly trying to go inside armed with a baseball bat, while, back in April, a first bus threatened to halt a range of evening services operating in the area due to a rise in arson attacks on its fleet. We visited the centre after dark and witnessed groups of youth continue to congregate in the car park close to the entrance to Five Guys, McDonald's and Subway. One resident, who lives nearby, told us, it's quite, an intimidating, it's quite an intimidating to see large groups hanging around and causing trouble. I'm glad to hear the police are continuing to take this seriously, but a lot of them are under 16. What can officers really do apart from take them home and give them a proper telling off? They have their work cut out. In March, gangs of youth made headlines for terrorising staff at a McDonald's at the rear entrance to the complex, subjecting them to both racist taunts and physical attacks. Bosses at the fast food restaurant also told how the yobs smashed windows and vandalised the premises, as well as intimidating customers as they tried to go inside. A spokesperson for Silverburn said, We welcome the increased police presence as we work with our partners on activity taking place outside of the centre. The continued safety and security of our tenants is paramount. And that report was an exclusive by Amanda Keenan. From the Glasgow Times, Tuesday the 26th of September, from a news section, Scottish SPCA to launch pop-up shops for pet owners in Glasgow. Report by Morgan Carmichael. The Scottish SPCA is set to hold a pop-up shop at their Glasgow Animal Rescue and Rehoming Rescue Centre this week. Taking place on Sunday, October the 1st, from 11am until 4pm, the shop will give members of the public the chance to meet the team and get some accessories and treats for their pets, which will help fund the work of the centre. Visitors are also encouraged to bring their caring companions to join the fun. Centre manager, Carrie McKechnie said, We are so excited to welcome the public to our centre. The event is ideal for anyone who would like to know more about the work we do in the local community or meet the team here at the centre. By purchasing goods from our pop-up shop on the day, you'll also be helping to fund the work of the centre so we can keep rescuing Glasgow's animals like Lily. Lily the Lurcher has been in our care for 252 days and is a lovely older lady but keeps getting overlooked. Although Lily is a little grey around the muzzle, she is still full of life and loves to be in the go. She is happiest when she has a squeaky toy or five, enjoys playing off the lead in a secure pen and going for walks. Lily shows signs of separation anxiety, so would require someone who can build up to be her being left alone. She would love to find her forever family. The event is a fantastic chance to celebrate success stories like Lily and raise some much-needed funds for Glasgow's animals. We hope to see as many animal lovers there as possible. 
Anyone interested in attending the Open Day should head along to the Scottish SPSA Glasgow Animal, Animal Rescue, Andrew Homing Centre, at 125 Kennel Place, Cardonald, G52 3RY. That's the Scottish SPCA, SPCA Glasgow Animal Rescue and Rehoming Centre at 125 Kennel Place, Cardonald, G52 3RY. The pop up shops will take place on the first Sunday of every month going forward. And that report was by Morgan Carmichael. From the Glasgow Times, Tuesday the 26th of September, from the news section, Tributes paid to one in a million Glasgow man, Dean Clark, by Rebecca Newlands. Tributes have been paid to one in a million lad after a body was found in Glasgow. Dean Clark was reported missing from the Garthamlock area on Sunday evening and a search was launched for the 29-year-old. Cops then revealed that a body had been found in the city on Monday and that Dean's family had been informed. There are no suspicious circumstances surrounding his death. Since the news of Dean's passing, loved ones have paid tribute to him. One wrote, R.I.P. Dean, one in a million lad. Another said, Rest in peace Dean, you were some boy. A third wrote, Rest easy Dean, gone way too soon but in our hearts forever. A fourth added, Rest easy Dean, gutted man. A spokesperson for Police Scotland said, The body of a man was found in Glasgow during the morning of Monday, September 25th. He has yet to be formally identified, but the family of Dean Clark, 29, who was missing, has been informed. There are no suspicious circumstances. A report will be submitted to the Procurator Fiscal. And that report was by Rebecca Newlands. Evening Times September 26 Lifestyle How Glasgow's OVO Hydro took city's music scene to another level Report by Anne Fotheringham On September 30, the OVO Hydro celebrates its 10th anniversary Glasgow has always been a music city, agrees Debbie McWilliams Head of Live Entertainment at the OVO Hydro. We have the Barrowland, King Tuts, and people still talk of the legendary Apollo, she says. The Hydro has taken things to another level. In her office, tucked away inside the maze of backstage corridors and rooms which fill the Clydeside venue, a table has pride of place. Under its glass atop, Lovingly preserved are tickets from dozens of gigs over the years. There is a story behind each one. It's always a conversation starter, says Debbie, smiling. Every single one brings back memories. It is also a reminder of a time when you could see the likes of Dire Straits, Peter Gabriel and Take That for a little less than £20. Signed photos from a galaxy of stars including Betty Midler, The Osmonds, Lionel Richie, Katy Perry and Elton John line the walls. 
Just a small selection of the big names who have performed at the venue over the last decade. More than 10 million people have visited the Hydro since it opened its doors in 2013. What a 10 years it has been, says Debbie, with feeling. Whenever I talk to people who live and work in Glasgow, in shops or taxi drivers, everyone is so proud of the Hydro and what it has brought to the city. Debbie, who is from Deniston, came to work at what was then the Scottish Exhibition and Conference Centre 34 years ago as a temp and has worked up through the ranks, watching as first the Armadillo, Clyde Auditorium, and the £125 million Hydro took shape beside the original SECC. It was so exciting for me, she says. It still is. Working in live entertainment has its challenges, of course, but I feel like I have been part of the evolution of the campus, from a junior position in a young team to where we are now. It's been an honour to be part of something so special, which means so much to so many people. More than 10 million people have come through the doors of the Hydro since it opened on September 30, 2013 for concerts, comedy, sports events, awards ceremonies and more. Rod Stewart had the honour of being the first act to take to the giant stage followed by the Jesus Christ Superstar UK Tour, Fleetwood Mac and Bruno Mars. Around 80,000 people attended those events in the first week alone. Debbie has a long list of favourite gigs, too many to mention, but among the highlights are Prince, Elton John, Betty Midler and Rod Stewart. Prince was mesmerising on stage, she recalls. It felt so special just to be there. And of course, we did not know it at the time, but it would be his last performance in Scotland. Elton was just spectacular. It was a real privilege to be hosts for this last arena show in Scotland on his farewell tour. Betty Midler was incredible. And that first concert with Rod... That was a very emotional night. Debbie adds, It's not just music, of course. Events and conferences have grown exponentially. We played a part in the Commonwealth Games in 2014. The MTV Awards have been held here. BBC Sports Personality of the Year. The World Gymnastics Championships. COP26 and most recently the UCI Cycling Championships, the Hydro is part of the life of the city. The venue has also had an impact on Glasgow, particularly in the surrounding streets of Finiston. Stylish new bars, restaurants and hotels have sprung up in an area historically connected to the shipyards and heavy industry. Says Debbie, People come back time and time again to the Hydro. They know what we mean to the city. And I think the impact we have had on hotels, local restaurants and bars is greatly appreciated. It's a social destination, not just a venue. And there has been a real vibrancy in the area since the Hydro arrived.
It may have been her day job for more than 34 years, but Debbie still relishes the walking into the venue every morning. There's a real buzz about the place on concert days, she says. People talk of a honeymoon period after a new venue opens, which eventually comes to a stop. At the Hydro, the honeymoon period has never ended. That's because of the fans. They're the ones who make this place special. She pauses and then says with a broad smile, As for the next ten years, the world is our oyster. We aim to build on our success and to keep bringing the biggest and best names to Glasgow. Report by Anne Fotheringham Evening Times, September 26 Opinion John Molyneux says Community link workers must be protected. This week I will be attending my first meeting as a new member of Glasgow's Integration Joint Board which is responsible for overseeing community-based health and social care services in the city. The board's work may have never been more in the spotlight. The first item on its agenda is consideration of well-publicised proposals for a safe drug consumption facility in Glasgow. This is a long-standing aim of the Health and Social Care Partnership HSCP, and it can now progress with plans following clarification from Lord Advocate Dorothy Bain that it would not be in the public interest to prosecute anyone using or facilitating the use of drugs at such a facility. As my colleague Martha Wardrobe wrote in these pages last week, this is an important step forward in reducing the harm associated with drug use. Importantly, the proposed site for the facility, Hunter Street in the East End, is already home to a range of other complementary services, including heroin-assisted treatment and access to rehabilitation and recovery services, including from third sector partners. This is all about proper integration of services that protect people's health, but also address a whole range of issues holistically. It is somewhat baffling, therefore, that in another area of the Board's most important responsibilities, that of primary care, there are harmful cuts planned to a number of community link workers embedded within the city's GP surgeries, from nearly 70 full-time posts to 42 in 2024. Community link workers offer wide-ranging support tailored to people's individual needs, such as help with housing, social security, debt and money advice, food and fuel poverty, loneliness, abuse and much more. They are based in the most disadvantaged areas of the city. They are hugely valued by the GPs they work with and their positive impact has been well evidenced. 
they offer the kind of practical and personal support which not only provides immediate benefit to people, especially in the grip of the ongoing cost of living crisis, but also supports their longer term improvement and reverses health inequalities. They are a textbook example of preventative spend, channeling money to addressing the causes of poverty and inequality, not just managing the symptoms. The fact is we need more community link workers, not fewer. What's extra baffling is that no one, neither the Scottish Government nor the HSCP, really disputes the value of community link workers. The issue is that there is an impasse over who should pay for them. At the moment there is a three million pound shortfall to deliver the level of service required for the transformation of primary care the HSCP wants to see, with £1.3 million of Scottish Government funding required to keep the current level of service going into 24-25. Our citizens whose lives are improved by community link workers and the workers themselves deserve better than this standoff. Green councils are calling on the Scottish Government to guarantee the relatively modest funding needed to reverse this short-sighted decision. Longer term, we need to find better ways of protecting prevention services like community link workers, which deliver savings across the whole of the public purse, says John Molyneux. This is from the Glasgow Times on the 27th of September 2023 from the news section and the headline reads Health Bosses Approve Glasgow Safer Drug Consumption Room This article is by Stuart Patterson Health Bosses have approved plans to proceed with a safer drug consumption room in Glasgow The city's integrated joint board which oversees health and social care agreed unanimously to move forward staffing and equipping the facility to allow it to open. The Scottish Government has committed funding of £2.3 million a year for a pilot in the city, which will be located in Hunter Street in the East End beside a current drug treatment facility. The funding will begin for April next year, and councillors and health officials are keen for the service to be open as soon as is possible. The site has been chosen, and officials have been planning the operation for years. Suzanne Miller, HSCP Chief Officer, said that it is estimated there are around 400 to 500 people who are injecting drugs in public in the city. She added that there are many who are far away from engaging in council and NHS services to help people who use drugs. The plan is that the facility will reduce overdose deaths by providing a supervised setting where people can inject drugs. Also, it is hoped that they will be more likely to seek access to other services to help them reduce or stop taking drugs. Questions were raised about the likelihood of a facility attracting dealers. Ms Miller, however, said that the evidence from other cities around the world that already have consumption rooms is that it does not happen. Similarly, fears that people from other towns and cities would come to Glasgow to take drugs free from the fear of prosecution were allayed. Ms Miller said the patient-client group 
are not people who necessarily plan their activity. They are taking drugs in car parks, alleys and up closes. They are not people who travel or plan a journey to consume drugs. We have been in contact with the places where drug consumption rooms have been operating and that is not their experience. This article was by Stuart Patterson. This is from the Glasgow Times on the 27th of September 2023 from the news section and the headline reads SNP MP claims she was bullied by Westminster colleagues. This article was by a Glasgow Times reporter. An SNP MP has told how she believes she was the victim of group bullying by her party colleagues at Westminster, claiming she suffered panic attacks as a result. Lisa Cameron claimed she was shunned by other SNP MPs at Westminster after challenging the support given to former Chief Whip Patrick Grady, who was suspended from the House of Commons, and apologised in Parliament after being found to have acted inappropriately towards a party staff. Dr Cameron, the MP for East Kilbride, Strathaven and Les Mahago, spoke out in the midst of a selection contest as the SNP chooses its candidate to fight the seat at the next general election. She indicated that if she is not chosen as the candidate, she could quit immediately and try her by-election. She said she will consider her position in the wake of the selection contest, due to be decided on October 12th. Dr Cameron told the Scottish Daily Mail, Basically, the SNP gave me panic attacks. She spoke about the hostility she felt from parliamentary colleagues, and she accused fellow MPs of not engaging with her. Dr Cameron told the paper, For months, people wouldn't speak to me. Some people, when I would go into a room, would just behave as though I was not there. I'm not saying people should have to speak to someone if they don't wish to, but it felt very much like a group bullying mentality, almost like a sort of team bully. Dr Cameron claimed the behaviour of fellow MPs changed after she spoke out on behalf of the staff member who was harassed by Mr Grady. She claimed the party leadership at the time basically issued a directive to support the perpetrator, but she wanted the party to take a victim-led approach. She said her suggestion was basically ignored, and the hostility started afterwards. Dr Cameron added she had told the SNP whips at Westminster she was undergoing counselling following her experience, saying she had about 12 months of counselling records that go along with this. Speaking on Monday about the situation, First Minister and SNP leader Humza Yusuf said the party is in the middle of a selection contest, adding that as part of that there should be a robust debate. He added, it will be rightly up to local branches to make a decision and local members to make a decision who they want to represent them in the upcoming general election. SNP Westminster leader Stephen Flynn, meanwhile, said he had not spoken to Dr Cameron since having dinner with her a couple of weeks ago in Parliament. He added, The comments that have been made in relation to the group don't reflect my experience of the situation down in Westminster. If Lisa wants to discuss that with me, she is more than welcome to do so. An SNP spokesperson said, With the Westminster election nearing, People across Scotland will soon have the chance to vote SNP to reject Westminster's cost of living crisis and elect SNP MPs who will work for the better, fairer, independent future that Scotland deserves. A number of sitting SNP MPs will be involved in selection contests following the introduction of new constituency boundaries and it's for local members to choose their candidate in a ballot. This article was by a Glasgow Times reporter. Evening Times 
September 27. Lifestyle. Glasgow businesses talk about the hydro effect. Report by Nicole Mitchell. The OVO Hydro has had a significant impact on Finiston's food scene since it opened 10 years ago, according to one local resident and business owner. Dunia Sharif was born in Anderson and now owns Argyll Street Eatery, Finiston Fez, with her husband, Ayub Nadir. Due to the Moroccan cafe closing earlier than many of the restaurants and bars in the area, Dunia says that before opening, they didn't expect to benefit from the crowds attending the hydro. However, on days where there are large events taking place, she says the arena has a big impact on the business. The 30-year-old said, When we first opened, the hydro was not necessarily in our thoughts because we thought it's a night thing. That's not really going to have an impact on us. But we were surprised. We do still get a lot of custom due to that. We close at 6pm, so when there's earlier concerts, we do get a lot of people coming in before it starts. And then we've had people that are here for a full weekend. They've been at their concert, so they might come in for breakfast or brunch. Having lived in the area all her life, Dunia says Finiston has changed significantly since the Hydro opened in 2013 and believes the venue has played a role in helping to establish a Gale Street's growing food scene. And she explained, In the last 10 years, it has changed so much. There are restaurants, bars, the food scene has come to life. A lot of people are coming down from different areas for nights out in Finiston, or even to just try cafes or food spots they've heard about online. It's the area to be. Everyone wants to stay. It's so sought after now. People would dream to live here, whereas before it was just a residential area for people that had lived there for years and years. The Hydro has had a massive impact on that. There's no denying it. The events that are held bring people from all over the place, like concerts, but also there are events and conferences where you get visitors from all over the world. So it does bring a lot of people to the area. Opening in December 2020, Finiston Fez serves a variety of brunch, street food, coffee and desserts. Dunia also credits the Hydro with helping the cafe survive COVID-19 and the cost of living crisis which has seen a rise in the price of running the business. And she added, It's been handy to have that boost from people that are coming for events, whether it be at the Hydro or the SEC, because a lot of the times that's what's helped us survive. COP26 was one of the things that helped us make it because we were struggling then. During and after COP26, we were able to push through. Those are really some of the main reasons why we are still here.
restaurant and bar Joa is also located on Argyll Street, serving Italian food with a modern twist. The restaurant opened in early 2021, and manager Enrico Rogeri agrees that the Hybro helps to bring new customers through the doors and says the proximity to the venue is one of the reasons owner Christiana Trazzulo decided to open in Finiston. He said, definitely the Hydro makes us busier than what we usually are. The Hydro reopening after COVID was very important for us because we could see the difference. Now, after two and a half years, we have our regular customers, but in the beginning, we didn't have as many bookings. We had walk-ins a lot, so the hydro was very, very important. You could tell when there were no hydro events because we were quiet. The 37-year-old added, it's been one of the best areas outside the city centre to open a hospitality business. Report by Nicole Mitchell. That concludes this week's edition of the Glasgow Times podcast. Please remember to subscribe to our channels at Tune Review and to tell your friends about our service.